Welcome, boys and girls, to another episode of Casually Kicking It Sports. <laughs> I'm choking here already in the introduction. Man, this is a sports podcast by fans, for fans, I would say, you know. Um, tonight, we have myself, Ed. We have Tony. Uh, Tom wasn't able to make it. Family emergency. And G is on vacation. He still hasn't even shown up to the episodes. <laughs> I don't but, think he's uh, a member of the podcast yet. Right, right. So um, on tonight's show, or I'm saying tonight because we're recording this at night, but on this week's show... Uh, we're going to quickly, you know, run down the draft, the 2020 NBA draft. We're going to recap it. Um, what else? Uh, maybe sprinkle in a little bit NFL news in there. But um, let's go ahead and get started with the uh, NBA draft. Did I say M- NBA or NFL? Did I say NFL? No, draft? NBA. Okay. All right. So uh, first, the Pistons had the first pick. And they went with the uh, pick that everyone had in the mock drafts, which was Cade Cunningham, guard out of Oklahoma State. Uh, 6'8 guard, right? I think 6'8, 6'7, 6'8, 6'8. Yeah, um, they got themselves a player, a baller there. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, the news broke pretty early in the day, taking away some of the suspense. I think. Yes. Throughout the the draft process, he was seen as the consens- consensus number one. I mean, uh, Mobley and Green had people supporting them. But, um, you know, uh, Ryan Rosillo, one of the guys I listen to, always states GMs are going to make the decisions that help them keep their jobs for longer. Uh, Cade Cunningham was the consensus number one at the time of the draft lottery even if there were some contenders to take him out of that spot, the safest decision for any GM is to go with that safe pick. Nobody five years from now, if Cade Cunningham doesn't work out, nobody's going to look at that and say uh, it was a bad decision at the time. Maybe if Jalen Green is, you know, a consensus all-star, all-NBA player in five years, you're going to say, you know what, you should have picked Jalen Green, right? But nobody's going to say at the time you should have picked Jalen Green. I think that's most importantly for GMs wanting to keep their jobs and wanting to have a future in the NBA because there's not a long shelf life for that job. Um, You know, knowing that you pick the guy that that most people thought should go number one, number one, um, you're not going to miss there. Right. I uh oh man microphone a lot of dysfunction today on this recording sheesh so uh yeah we had one Cunningham two Jalen Green to the Rockets uh or two yeah two to the Rockets three the Cavaliers uh select Evan Mobley so uh Jalen Green a guard from the G League Evan Mobley a center from USC yeah I think that you know, early on, people thought Evan Mobley was probably the number two talent in the draft. But as that uh, process went on from the lottery to last night, you know, Jalen Green really proved himself. Not that Evan Mobley did anything to lose that position, but when you look at the Rockets specifically, already having Christian Wood 
I guess, in my opinion, if you liked Mobley more than Green, Christian Woods shouldn't stop you from selecting Mobley. Uh, but clearly they like Green. And, um, you know, it was fortunate for Cleveland because if Cleveland was only left with guards, the Jalens and, and Scotty Barnes and whatnot, that's where the draft could have got interesting if Houston would have taken Mobley and, and Cleveland would have been left with guards. But because Cleveland was fortunate enough where, you know, Jalen Green was taking number two, Evan Mobley's a natural fit with the talent they have uh, with their young backcourt over there in Cleveland. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to go back to what you were saying with um, the draft kind of being spoiled throughout the day. Um, I'm going to have to, for the next draft stay off of social media because uh Woj and Shams were definitely giving away a lot of stuff uh fairly early because I mean I, I think it was like by four o'clock the first three picks were already pretty much finalized for the most part they were all kind of stamped yeah I think just as like a viewing like as a product the NBA draft kind of really lags behind the NFL draft just in terms of the viewing like if you're following along throughout the draft on Twitter Woj and Shams are breaking each pick three to four minutes ahead of what the television is even doing right um, and because they're also breaking trades as well before teams call the league to announce that a trade is happening you know you have guys throughout the night being selected you know, putting on caps of teams and having even the, you know, the ESPN crew or the teams that are uh, doing the, you know, the broadcast talking about a player fitting on a team that they don't realize he's even been, you know, traded away from that team. So it, it kind of makes for like a poor viewing experience when, you know, the Knicks are up for a selection and they select somebody and the fans go crazy while you at home, if you're following along on Twitter, know that that pick and that player has already been traded. So, uh, you know, it, it almost makes it where you don't need to watch the broadcast and you could just follow along on Twitter and, and have a better idea of what is happening throughout the night, which I think is uh, poor on the NBA's fault, frankly. Yeah, it, would you say uh, it was it on? Is it on the NBA or and ESPN or NBA and ESPN or well, well no, I you mean, can't you really say both the NFL and the NBA draft. Which do you think is a better product to watch? The NFL. I mean, because okay. I was watching the draft, the NBA draft on both NBA TV and ESPN, but NBA TV to me was lacking. I I feel like if you're a network based on what the, you know, what, what the product is, you know, you're part of the NBA or the NBA network. I would, I would assume that you would be at the location. Um, and they weren't, they were in a studio. Well, I just think in general, um, in regards to comparing the NBA and the NFL drafts, right. The NFL kind of mandates that, there's no tipping of the picks on social media. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but I think that was something that was done recent within the last couple of years. Correct. Well, so they made 
just because, you know, things have always been done away doesn't mean they should be done that way moving forward, right? So you have to make changes and evolve. You know, uh, 20 years ago, uh, you didn't have Twitter, you didn't have, you know, you had guys like Peter Vesey and insiders and things like that, uh, the the shams and woj of their time, uh, insiders, but they didn't have a platform to basically reveal to the world and spoil the secret that you were about to show on television. Right. So I think somehow mandating that those tips aren't, Pit, are, are those those picks aren't tipped and also we have to get the whole you know guy gets drafted by the knicks puts on a knicks hat but the the pick has already been traded to to another team thing solved yeah because you know as a viewer you're sitting there thinking okay like how is he going to fit in the knicks or fit in with the knicks and even the guys doing the analysis on the television are doing it but the, you know the guy's been traded so it's like what's the point of watching it so uh you know personally if somebody's getting drafted on the screen and i look down towards the bottom of the screen i want to see the logo of my team that's drafting him not the logo of another team and, and you know that's the only that's the only time I see that is in the NBA because the Correct. NFL you don't see players get traded at all throughout the draft. Well, they they get they move picks and they, they move picks, picks, right? Yes, um, but they do it before the pick is actually selected. So right. the NBA is doing the same te- thing, but they just haven't reported it yet. Right. So they haven't called it into the league. So the only people who know are like Woj and Shams and everybody following those people on Twitter. But like having the broadcast catch up to what like like right now, Twitter has lapped ESPN's broadcast of the NBA draft, which shouldn't be the case. <laughs> like if the broadcast is occurring on television, the for real deal broadcast what everybody wants should it that should happen on television because it is i don't think you do away with the whole production altogether because this is a special moment for the kids it's a once in a lifetime thing for them to have occur everybody deserves this draft moment that they've been working their entire lives for right um but they have to do a better job on the production because you know, I'm the type of person who would sit there for the three, four, five hours and watch all the way through the second round. Yeah, same found, here. You know, I found myself around pick 35, pick 40, like, especially with all the trades happening and ESPN not being able to keep up. I was to myself like, hey, I might as well change the channel and just keep my Twitter page open and I can follow along the draft on Twitter while watching you know, big brother catching up on big brother. Yeah, right. Right. No, I, I totally get you. So, yeah, I mean, it, even with the fact like, like ESPN employs Woj. So I think there were a couple years there where they kind of tried to have Woj like hold back and he would do funny things <laughs> like tweet, like, uh, you know, if they were doing this year's draft, like the Raptors are, you know, infatuated with Scotty Barnes at pick number four, like not saying they're going to select them, but 
they were holding Woj back while guys like, you know, Haynes and Shams and everybody else was tweeting and, and basically like beating him to the punch. So Woj kind of was like, well, I need to prove who's the best insider. Um, but the fact that they have Woj on staff and aren't using him to like to have him communicate to like Kendrick Perkins and Jay Billis and Mike Schmitz, like, Hey, this pick has been traded. Like talk about it in that aspect. Yeah. Um, there's just like a disconnect. Um, and, and we could say that that's a, a product of the times, but when you watch the NFL draft from a couple months ago, it's not like that. Right. Right. So, so clearly an improved draft uh, production can be performed. The NBA just needs to do it. And, and it, there's a couple things going on. I know that we, we weren't necessarily going to talk about like Olympic basketball and stuff, but there's just a couple things specifically in the NBA where I think that the commissioner kind of has to do what is best for the league. And even if it's not the most popular option, with uh, like the players or the partners, like you have to do with, like, I know you're always kind of uh, being diplomatic and Mm -hmm. and working with your partners, but there are some obvious changes and obvious problems with what's going on um, that need to be addressed. You know, things like uh, hunting for fouls. Uh, You can see in the Olympics, like the Olympic international referees, like don't play that. So while the NBA right. or while the while our NBA players are sitting there trying to like draw little ticky tack fouls and jump into guys on three pointers, the international referees just look at them like, "Bro, like play basketball, you're crazy," and it actually makes for like a more physical bully ball game. And it, it, it's made you know watching some of the Olympic basketball when you can actually find it on television because NBC doesn't want to show live games even though people would wake up or stay up to watch our team play live because they're popular enough players um you know it, it makes for a more entertaining product the fact that uh even things like giving like the nba allows these intentional fouls that stop fast breaks like 70 feet from the hoop fast breaks are the most exciting athletic plays in the sport and the NBA has not legislated out these little intentional fouls that stop the most exciting plays from happening. Right. You know, it'd be like in the NFL, every time you throw deep, uh, the DB is allowed to tackle the receiver before he catches the ball and they don't call pass interference. So like you're like, you're stopping these, the electrifying, the stuff, the stuff when you see, you know, the most one of the most famous plays of the finals was game five drew holiday stealing the ball from devin booker dribbling down court and throwing the ollie up to Giannis. right mm-hmm. so imagine if like that is iconic that's going to live in history for the next hundred years of nba history when Giannis is inducted into the hall of fame in 15 years that's going to be one of the prime highlights that they show right imagine if uh, Booker, for whatever reason, doesn't lose his momentum and is able just to hug Holiday, you know, 60 feet from the hoop. And we never have that moment. Right? 
right in the NBA, and and it would have been good for Phoenix if that happened. Uh, and the NBA doesn't, I guess, disincentivize those those types of plays. They actually incentivize it by allowing it just to be a common foul. So I don't know how we ended up on going <laughs> I don't from number three pick to talking to the television pro- uh, product to the Olympic basketball to the NBA finals, but we kind of hit a bunch of different topics there. But just in general, I think that Adam Silver has to put his foot down and make changes that are best for the league and think of it from the fans' perspective. Yeah, no. You want to grow the sport. No, but right. I, I totally, I whole, whole, wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, but you did mention something in there, which you said, uh, Scotty Barnes. Yeah. So I'm going to take that, bring it back to the draft, because we could talk about the Olympics, because I do want to talk about the Olympics basketball. I have a few points on what you were just mentioning. Yes, the Olymp- uh, the NBA has to make some change quite a bit. Um yeah, so but Scotty- you need a strong leader in order to make that happen, right? And I hate to tie it into, you know, something else and go on another tangent, but I'm going <laughs> to, okay, <laughs> right? It's kind of like the situation that's going on with the vaccine. Like, people know what is best related to COVID-19 and getting the vaccine, and that's the way that it's going to stop from spreading and we can all get back to our normal lives. And I'm not saying we need to be in some like uh, dictator country, communist country, but giving people the freedom to choose to do what is in their best interest, you know, who determines what's in their best interest is always the long debate, right? That's why we want freedom in the country. But, man, it sure would be nice if uh, you could just force people to take the vaccine and then we could all get back to normal a lot sooner instead of letting these, you know, wahoos read the Internet and read their conspiracy theories to come up with reasons not to take it. Like, I was just in Grenada for a week and they tested us like three or four times. And on the resort that we were in, everybody had been tested and was COVID negative, and you knew everybody was tested. So we were just living life like normal, no masks, uh, but you knew that everybody had been tested. And, and so it was almost like being in like the NBA bubble, like you kind of felt like safe and back to normal. Um, so that's what we need to get back to. And it takes leadership to get back to it. And when I watch the Olympic basketball and the product is more entertaining than what I watch in the NBA, just because of a, a, a couple little tweaks, letting them be more physical, enough with like the jumping into guys for three point shots, um, you know, enough with the intentional fouls, even allowing guys to swat the ball away on the rim, um, it makes for more exciting, less stoppages in the game, less reviews of game. You know, you get into the fourth quarter of an NBA game, there's 10 reviews occurring in the last three minutes of every single game the last three minutes of nba game takes 30 minutes right i know i my wife at this point like laughs when she's like how much time left and i go well there's three minutes left in the game and she's like okay see you in an hour you know 
pretty much. <laughs> it's like, what are we doing? Or if you're at the Everybody, bar, hey, I can order another round. Yeah, exactly. Everybody sees that there's something wrong here. It's going to take actual leadership to fix it. And that uh, goes on multiple accounts of things that I'm, uh, I've been talking about. But let's talk Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes, you mentioned, <laughs> yes. You mentioned Scotty Barnes. Uh, that This was... Uh, pick four the Raptors had pick number four and this was one of them that um, uh, for those of you that don't know me and and Tony are Magic fans diehard Orlando Magic fans so uh, Orlando Magic had the fifth pick and depending on what the Raptors did was gonna set the tone for our draft you know Uh, and um, you know days and weeks Prior to the NBA draft, it was, you know, mocked as in, you know, Cade Cunningham one, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley in, in that two and three flip flop. You know, we didn't know, but it was the, the two and three spots Four was obviously Suggs. Uh, that was the obvious pick. Uh, everyone was thinking that the Raptors were going to pick Suggs. Uh, they didn't know if Kyle Lowry was going to come back or what was going on with that. So. We're sitting here, and the Raptors end up taking Scotty Barnes, a forward out of Florida State. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of the uh, analysts had Scotty Barnes, Scotty Barnes, penciled in as the Magic fifth in some mock drafts. I personally didn't like it. Uh, I don't like. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Scotty Barnes. Uh, I'm not big on 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 a guy. I mean. Who's to say he he could he could turn out to be someone special, but the fact that he was the sixth man on on a on a basketball team, and I think he he uh, I think his minutes were like ten minutes right a game or something like that. I don't know. I'm just glad that the Raptors picked Scotty Barnes at four. That changed the draft for us, the Magic fans. We ended up with Jalen Suggs, who was. My, uh, this was my pick. I wanted us to draft Scotty Bond or, uh, excuse me, Jalen Suggs, um, right off the rip. Even if we had the number one pick, I know you were a bigger fan of, of Cade Cunningham, but if the magic had the number one pick, I wanted them to go with, with Jalen Suggs. If they had the number two pick, I wanted them to go with Jalen Suggs. If they had the number three pick, whatever pick in the top four, I wanted them to take Jalen Suggs because I thought Jalen, or I think that Jalen Suggs is the perfect fit for our team right now. So a lot why of people the perfect fit. A lot of people said that we had too many guards on the team, but um, you know, like you said, uh, you you know, you just got to take you you got to take what you know what I'm saying, like the best player there. You like you said with Cunningham, um, you can go anywhere else, but you know, you know that that's the guy you're gonna take. And if in five years he didn't pan out, then you know that's just how the cookie crumbles. Um, I think that Jalen Suggs is a great fit with the Magic because I just love the kid's toughness. A proven winner. Uh, Yeah, he was on a team that was a very good team, but he did carry the team in some essence, especially in the most important time, which is the tournament with all the big lights. I want a guy that's not afraid of the big lights. I want a guy that's not afraid to take the big shot. I want a guy that gets... That gets gritty, you know, a guy that has that toughness um, who also plays, uh, you know, we've seen some plays in the tournament who play defense, 
You know, he's not afraid to play defense. Uh, and I think that mixes well with another player because I would like to see him play alongside with another player we drafted last year in Cole Anthony, which I feel has a chip on his shoulder for being drafted so low. And and those two guys, I feel, have that chip on their shoulder, that grittiness, that, I don't know, it's just that that it thing. I don't. I, it's hard to explain that it, but they just have it. And I feel like Jalen Suggs is right now, as as it stands, I feel like Jalen Suggs is the best the best guard on the team as of right now. Well, I don't think you can call somebody who hasn't played an NBA game the best guard on on, on our on the Magic. That is on, on the Magic. On no, the I know. But even I mean, put some respect on the guys who are already on the team. These guys are are professionals who have you know made plays and hit big shots, even though it. Not necessarily with the magic specifically, but just in general. So, a couple did you like the Jalen Green pick, by the way? Jalen Suggs, or, I mean, Jalen Suggs, excuse me, okay. Jalen Suggs so, pick. Heading into last year and kind of throughout the year, right in the draft, there were a consensus five guys. Everybody talk about, talked about, uh, you know, Cunningham, Mobley, Green, Suggs, and Kaminga at the time. Uh, even as recently as the draft lottery, there were five guys, uh, and we talked about it on this podcast. It kind of morphed into four guys uh, with Kaminga dropping from that pack. Hey, hey, these are the top four guys. And in recent months, it seems like they separated, or in the most recent uh, draft process, seemed like the top three separated themselves. Suggs was slightly below that. And then it, it dropped to who else? So it felt like once again, as a Magic fan, because there was a drop off from Suggs to the rest of the talent, that top four, to, that we were going to be in the draft position, just missing out on somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, which over the last like 10 years, it feels like it happens every year. We just miss out on Trey Young. We just miss out on Chris Stapps Porzingis. Uh, We just miss out on Joel Embiid, you know, one, two picks away every single year. So it felt like it was going to happen again. And it felt like we were going to, you know, probably take Scotty Barnes because that is the type of player who our management, these long arm wings, who can kind of do everything but shoot the ball. Like it was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is going to happen again. And it was going to kind of be unfair to Barnes. And, uh, and, and not to inter- interrupting you, it did happen again though. It did. but Well, not- okay. Well, so it felt like that was going to happen again to us. Right. So I find it incredible and listening and reading all these recaps of the draft last night the Orlando Magic are being proclaimed as one of the winners of the draft because we had, for what seems like it's been forever, an actual bit of luck occur with the Raptors taking Barnes. That allows Suggs to drop to us, 6-4, lead guard. He's a playmaker, distributor. He's a competitor. I mean, the guy was you know, Mr. Basketball, Mr. Football in Minnesota uh, as a high schooler. 
Um, they gave a story on the draft last night that he tried out for soccer as like a 10th grader and was the best player on the field, even though he had never played before. And he's trying to convince his parents like, hey, let me play this too, right? He's obviously a special, special athlete. And in the biggest games, as you described in March Madness, even in the championship game, when the players around him on Gonzaga, the team that was you know undefeated at the time, I believe, and had this great run as they were wilting, Suggs was the one player who was still battling. Even when they were down 14, 15, he's still battling on both ends of the floor. Like it's, you know, game seven of the NBA finals and it's a one possession game. And I think that it's players like that more so than what his actual like attribute core are. It's that mentality that helps to change um, the culture to turn what we have in Orlando uh, around. So, you know, Suggs is a 75% free throw shooter. So although he doesn't have great range on his jumper, he did shoot over 30% from threes. So it's not like he has like a broken jumper where it's going to take, where he's never going to learn to shoot like uh, Alfred Payton, you know? (laughs) We feel like we draft everybody who can't shoot. Like, yes, Suggs isn't the best shooter. Um, However, he shoots 75% from the free throw line. So like that kind of is a bit of an indicator that he can shoot. And from his profile makeup, what everybody talks about him, he's going to be the guy putting in the work first in, last out in order to improve. And we've seen guys, um, you know, even just to use like Lonzo Ball as an example, coming into the league with a broken jumper. And it's taken some time, but now he hits open jumpers. Um and is frankly somebody that you can't leave uh, open from three. So a, a jump shot is something that can be improved upon with the right coaching, with the right, uh, you know, technique given if uh, the person puts in the work. Um, so, so I think that whatever limitations Suggs has, his mental makeup, competitive toughness, that dog in the fight that you want on your team um, he has that makeup to improve whatever deficiencies. And then, so you have that plus all of the positives of what he brings, you know, athletically as a lead card, as a playmaker, as a distributor, as that guy, as the point person on defense. Um, it's an exciting day, uh, to be a magic fan. I agree with you on that. Um, you know, sometimes also, to piggyback off what you were saying, it it, it doesn't. Sometimes uh, the the statistics on a sheet doesn't. Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It doesn't. Uh, well, it doesn't match up with what like you're actually witnessing with your eyes. Correct. So what I'm basically saying is that when you're watching players play, your eyes automatically can tell you like, hey, this guy is is just different. Well, so like. Look, with analytics and statistics ruling the game, I I don't think you can go all stats and you right. can't go all eyes. It's a, a mix of both. And, and Suggs has both. But he's definitely one of those guys 
who when you're visually watching the game and watching how hard he's playing and watching him talk to his teammates and pump them up and what effect he has on their games, you can see that he's bringing stuff to the table because there are plenty of guys who put up these huge stats and it doesn't lead to winning basketball. Right. You know, you see guys putting up 20 and 10 and, you know, they're consistent losers, not them as individuals, but like their record and their teams are consistent losers every year. They're empty calorie stack guys. That was the argument for Vooch or against Vooch for a long time is, yeah, it's this great thing that he's putting up, you know, like 24 and 12 and a couple assists here and there. But those are all empty calories because what wins is it leading to? Correct. That's another discussion for another day. Yeah. Because um, I do think on uh, the right team, Vooch is a winning player. Uh, he just hasn't been able to show it yet. Uh, but I think that Suggs is someone who outperforms his stats on what he brings to the table. Um, yeah. And, and I think like for once or for once in what feels like a long, long time, the magic got some luck. And apparently at the Amway center, they had the watch party going last night. And when Barnes was drafted by the Raptors, supposedly that was like the largest cheer of the night, even larger than Suggs getting drafted because the magic fans knew like, Holy shit. Like we got some luck. Suggs is dropping to us. So uh I I would I would say I, I vouch I did that and my wife looked at me and was like, what? And I said, the Toronto Raptors selected Scotty Barnes. She's like, but that's not Orlando. I was like, it doesn't matter. It means we're getting their guy. You know, I was I was and I called you right away too. I was like yelling, <laughs> hooting, hollering. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> uh yeah, I mean, there's not much to say, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the the Magic do have a lot of guards on the team. So it'll be interesting to see what plays out of that. You know, a lot of people thought Terrence Ross was going to get moved package with our second round pick to see if we could get, you know, sneak back up into the late first. Um, but right now at guard, right, the Magic have Suggs, Fultz, Cole Anthony, Ross. R- RJ. Harris. I mean, RJ now, I think he's grown to like, to be like six nine, so hopefully he doesn't. He's he'll be able to kind of shift and put on some body mass and move into like that small forward range, because he was drafted at six four and now he's six nine. Um, you know, the Magic have a number of guards who are going to expect to play, and I think that is a good thing because it means that the competition is going to be fierce and people are going to have to earn their minutes. Right. And so. Having, you know, Mosley as a coach who oh. is known for his, you know, development and working with players one-on-one. Um, you know, I'm excited about what the tandem of Mosley and, and Suggs can lead for in the future. And I'm still a Markel Fultz guy. Um, I think there's a reason why the Magic had such a dramatic uh, downhill turn last year after his injury. Uh, so, you know. I still believe that Fultz is a piece for the future for the Magic. We'll see. I, I, you know, I get the feeling like you're more of a Cole Anthony guy, which is fine. Um, but you know, there's nothing wrong with having Fultz, Cole Anthony, uh, and Suggs 
as your like three headed backcourt, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, I like Suggs now more, but uh, yeah. Um, well, you said that he would be the best guard on an NBA team or on our NBA team, even though he hasn't played an NBA game, which is yes. kind of like a wild thing to say, but. Oh man, I, I, I'll double down on it if I need to. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, look, if you're right, you know, the mat and we'll keep going on with the picks. The magic had two picks in the top eight. Yes. You just need one of these guys to be a home run. Oh um, no. Get, the other one can be a complete dud. We just need one of these two guys. Now. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's, Obviously, more likely that Suggs is going to be a home run than Wagner uh, with the eight pick, not to spoil, you know, your draft reveal. Um, no, I mean, we're just recapping. I mean, there's no spoilers here. No, I know. But, Look, I mean, point, we'll, we'll run it down at this point. I mean, the Thunder at number six take Josh Giddy from Australia. That was even a, a bigger surprise than the Raptors taking Barnes at four. That yeah. was, was kind of like huge reach in the draft. Um I think the Thunder like to think of themselves as like this great, uh, you know, organization. Gem finder. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, they, they take Poku last year and they try to find all these gems and players who are underrated. Uh, they probably could have moved back and acquired more picks, which is like their favorite thing to do in the world is just acquire more and more assets. Uh, but yeah. Um, I think that uh, that Giddy was probably the biggest reach in the top six picks. That's for sure. I think so. Um, next, we have the Warriors, who I think, along with us, had a had a good, had a pretty solid uh, draft because the Warriors are a solid team. They just had a couple injuries. You know, Clay was out. You know, you, of course, you had Draymond and, and Curry, but they still made a run at the playoffs. When Clay comes back, they've got their nucleus back intact. And now you're going to add, you know, Jonathan Kaminga, who has a potential. Um, uh, he, he, Jonathan Kaminga is a forward from G League, drafted number seven. That's who a lot of Magic fans thought we would draft uh, if we didn't land Jalen Suggs. Um, uh, then here comes number eight. The Magic are up again. We picked this i thought i felt like this to us was a little bit of a reach on our end i i felt like there were some other players uh but i could see why the magic went this route because there were so many guards in this draft um i mean we had wait see one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven like i think yeah i think it's eleven guards in the top 15 um so i think they knew that we already had enough guards. We we solidified a, a a solid guard in the in the fifth pick. So they went with a forward, who is a more safe pick, um, a pick that they probably don't have to put too much work into. You know, he he's kind of all around a solid player. If, yeah, every rookie, of course, is going to need some kind of work, but it's not like a project like a Jonathan Kaminga, which was going to be more of a project to work with. So we drafted uh, France uh, Wagner from uh, from Michigan, forward out of Michigan. Well, he's from uh, Germany, right? Huh? He's from Germany, right? It sounds, ger it sounds German to me. Uh, we, did, we do have his brother, Mo, on the team. Uh, I, I'm, I'm assuming we're keeping his brother as well. <laughs> uh, well, okay. So, so it, things like Kaminga 
would have been if he drops to eight. He, you know, I, I feel like from watching Twitter, being on social media, talking to my fellow Magic fans today, people kind of feel bummed that Wagner, I described it to my father that like someone like Kamingo would have been swinging for the fan fences right right he on his tape is so up and down uh it with his play with his stats with his production is up and down on his effort but you see his body you see his body type and it's like tantalizing that would have been the swinging for the fences home run pick I feel like franz wagner is like that you know, hey, I'm just trying to get on base. If I have to bump for a single, if I have to get a single to the opposite field, uh, I'm just trying to not mess up this pick. Wagner, he doesn't do anything spectacularly well, but it appears like he's kind of strong in all facets of the game. He doesn't really take anything away from the table. He doesn't bring much, but he's not hurting you like he's okay defender he's a good screener uh he can hit an open shot uh but he's not phenomenal at it right he rebounds okay with it for his size um he does have a number of assists so he can move the ball so not a spectacular pick it was a very safe pick so i agree with you the magic probably potentially had an opportunity to maybe trade down, pick up an asset um, kind of reminding me of like the bucks wanting to take Vita Vea at number seven uh, years back. Mm -hmm. and they were able to trade down uh, the bills trade up, pick Josh Allen, the bucks take Vita Vea at 12. And then we take like Carlton Davis, right. With one of the picks we got in the trade. And so, yeah, you love when you can, pick up additional assets and make it happen for you. So Wagner feels like it was a little bit of a reach, but everything I saw in mocks leading up to the draft is that he was going to land somewhere in between eight and 12, eight and 13. So if the magic felt like this was their guy and they liked him better than the other options, take him at eight. Now See, only time will tell whether or not that was the right decision um, cause you know, when we look back at these drafts and see was picked, uh, aware and who was picked before who, right. You can mm -hmm. always say the hindsight is 2020 and say, this was a bad or not bad decision, but in the moment, if this was the guy that they felt like could contribute to the team, um, it was the right selection. Could they have squeezed out more value? Maybe, but you and I are on those phone calls that, you know, how uh, Hammond and Waltman are. Yeah, and like you said, Jonathan Kaminga, definitely a swinging for the fences guy, which is why I, I can see the Warriors picking him because if if he pans out, that's phenomenal for them. If he doesn't, they, they already have a solid team. You know, they have a solid, uh, you know, uh, nucleus there and the Warriors. So it's not well, like... I would argue that the Warriors would have benefited from drafting somebody like Wagner more. Because the Warriors are in win-now mode, right? Yeah, Blake's yeah. Be back uh, probably a little bit into the season, right? Steph isn't getting any younger. Draymond maybe only has 
one or two years left where he's a you know a, a top 30 top 40 top 50 player in the league right um so their window is closing a bit uh you know the Wiseman pick didn't pick uh, like pan out for them last year so you know Val- Wagner's a guy who you could insert into the lineup and he can contribute he can be not that he's Cam Johnson as a player uh from like Phoenix, but he's a young guy who you could put into the lineup and see him playing some type of minutes in the playoffs for you. Whereas Kaminga, he is so hot or cold. If he ends up being cold or for it ends up taking time to develop him, you're missing out on this window that you have with, Steph and Clay and Draymond, if there is even a window left. Um, so I kind of almost feel like the Wagner and Kaminga pick should have been like swapped. <laughs> like, well, like Wagner as like a ready now solid player should have gone to the better team in the Warriors. And since the Magic are farther away and need potential superstars, should have been swinging for the fences. Well, hold, hold on to that point because I, we're going to get to that point. I, I got I got something for you for that. Um, uh, the second thing was how you said the Magic possibly could have traded down. Yes, they could have done that. But then I also know that um, the Magic have a lot of young players that need time. And I also don't want to draft so many young guys because now you're then you're going to get yourself in the pickle of, well, now everybody needs playing time. You know, you got to see what you got, and if you add more to that, then you're like, holy crap! And then you're stuck in a a, a pickle where you're, you know, you're like, man, I've got to give all these guys minutes to see what we do have. You know, they're all young. It's all, there's all great potential. So yeah, I could see Franz uh, Franz Wagner uh, as more of a safe pick, solid pick. They don't have to really. They know what they're getting. You know, um, he's going to be in the rotation, right? Is right. he going to be an all-star in five years or three years, four years? Probably not. And right. if he is, I will gladly, you know, eat crow and yes. video. And I would love for that to happen. I would love to be proven wrong. But even if he is just a contributing player, not a dud, not a zero, not what like Mo Bamba has been for us, right? Uh, like, and that's no shots at Mo because I don't think he's been put in a position to succeed. But as you mentioned, like, we don't want a team full of young guys, but that's what we have right now. I think it's right. part of the reason why Steve Clifford is no longer the coach. Right. You but then you also don't want to add more to that. To well, you win. have to find veterans who are willing to play their role to mentor and, and help bring those guys up. Right. I don't necessarily feel like we have those veterans on the team right now, but obviously free agency starts. Um, yeah, in a couple in of days, a couple weeks, right? Yeah. Or the the actual signing period, you know. Mm-hmm. But you know, someone like Terrence Ross, even though he's a vet, he's looking to get his shots and get his his game. He's not right. necessarily looking to mentor the young guys and help them come along. Correct. You know, so we're going to have to make some moves to get the right types of veterans. Um, you know, cause Ross is a good, like Ross is a good enough player where he should be. Ross could have been on either one of the finals teams 
and yeah. then the best player off of their benches. Right. He doesn't need to be the best player on, you know, a 20-30 win Magic team next year. Right. Best player off the bench. Like totally he needs agree. to be like even like Lou Williams came out and won a game for the Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals, playing well when he had to sub in for Trey Young, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the type where Ross is able to win you a game with his shooting, and he needs to be on a team that's like competing for a championship versus our situation here. So that's why I think like Ross can move uh, well, in order to make time for those young guys. And hopefully now the magic won't be doing what we've been doing the last couple of years is we'll actually play the young guys and see what we have in them. No, like, yeah. As a magic fan, I would much rather watch this group of young guys go through the bumps and bruises and learning, and you can actually watch and, and see them grow together and, and see what we have. Like that will go like even though we might be losing games, losing more games than there's winning, promise. There's promise. There's hope for the future. Right. Right. And uh, I know it didn't end up working out, but when we had uh, even in this most recent run, like Harkless and Tobias Harris and Kyle O'Quinn and Victor Oladipo and all these young guys all together, even though we didn't win a lot of games it was at least more fun to watch the games because you're like, you see them getting along and, oh, they learned this little trick that he didn't have, you know, three, four months ago. And you see them progressing and it becomes more exciting as a fan. Not so, saying only one team can win the championship. Sorry, don't mean to interrupt it, you. <laughs> oh, Go ahead. No, because we're running, running short on time. That's why I was okay. saying. Well, only one team can win the championship. The Magic are probably not going to be that team next year. <laughs> no, but no. what is going to be the reason why I tune in and watch the games? Right. You know? Of course. And at the end of the day, or at the end of two day, one day after the draft, Jalen Suggs having a bit of luck actually happen for us is a reason for us to tune in. Correct. And that's kind of all we ask. You know, people say all the time they want their sports to be a distraction from their lives. For you and I, sports, that 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 is our lives, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, like, work and other responsibilities, that's a distraction from sports. When you're that's cheering it, that right? another team picked a guy before the guy you wanted, that's like, yeah. Yeah, and that happens a lot to us, right? So just give me, for the magic, play hard, Play the young guys. Give us a reason to watch. Give us a reason to go. I see them getting better. You know, I, 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 when we came back from, you know, year one to year two of Marco Fultz and he's playing more aggressively and going in the paint, the most exciting game two years ago for most Magic fans, was when we played in L.A. The Lakers, and, yeah. And Fultz is bodying into LeBron and laying it up over him on multiple possessions at the end of the fourth quarter. And if you're a Magic fan, you know exactly what game I'm talking about, right? Yes. And it was a small moment, but that moment and that kernel, I'm still talking about it like a year and a half later because it was that small glimmer of hope that, okay, that was special. Yeah, like, 
that was the reason why Fultz was the number one pick. That's something that we can hold on to like as we're building and as we're growing. Does it actually mean anything? None of this actually means anything, right? It's just sports. It's it's silliness, right? It's games we play when we're young. But Jalen Suggs brings hope. My father put in a text to me today, hope springs eternal. We're always looking for a reason to hope. We're always looking to make tomorrow a better day than today. And Jalen Suggs does that for the magic. So you call me screaming right away when it happened. You know, hopefully you'll still be screaming positive things in the future. This upcoming season and not obscenities at the television screen yeah. <laughs> like it has been recently for Magic fans. So real quickly, we're going to run down the last few. Uh, we had after the Magic, number nine, the Kings, Davion Mitchell from a guard out of Baylor. Solid player, solid defensive player, obviously. Um, they won the championship, the tournament. Uh, the Pelicans, number 10, Zaire Williams, which was traded to the Grizz, a forward out of Stanford. See, that was a situation where that trade went down like three or four days ago. Everybody knew that that was the Grizzlies pick. Yet on the screen, it's like the Pelicans. Pelicans. Yeah. It's so stupid. Everybody know that that trade for Jonas Valanciunas and Steven Adams went down like two or three days ago. Why are we showing it as if it's the Pelicans pick? Right. Then we had 11, the Hornets, James uh, Booknight, which was another player the Magic were linked to, a guard out of Connecticut. Uh, another, you know, has got potential. Uh, the Look, Mello and Book Knight together, uh, Charlotte's in our division. Yeah, um, you know, on those random Tuesday nights when you're throwing on what used to be like Sun Sports and is now Valley Sports, and you feel like you're the only person in the world watching Charlotte versus Orlando. <laughs> right? It's going to be exciting. It's, I mean, Charlotte is building something. Right. It feels Jordan like is it. actually doing something this time. Well, we'll see. Uh, you know, Book Knight is a shooter. He's supposed to be a shooter, but then he shot like 29% from three. But then he also had a bad elbow when he had elbow surgery or something like that mid-season or something like that. Okay, well, um, tennis elbow is a real thing. Go play <laughs> no, Anyways, Spurs. He's supposed to be a shooter, but he doesn't make shots. That's always a little concerning. <laughs> so, I would rather have a guy like Suggs who isn't a shooter Making shots. shots. Then Book Knight, who the only thing he does is the shooter, and he misses the same shots. Then the awkward Spurs at number 12, Joshua Primo, guard out of Alabama, totally was like, what, who, hey, what? Uh, he, he, a lot of NBA executives thought that he was a second-round pick at best. And for a lot of years, people have given leeway to the Spurs because of their success in the past. Mm -hmm. But uh, – you know, there are a number of people a little concerned that uh, Popovich might be over the hill, kind of similar to how, like, Belichick has missed on, like, every well, look, pick recently. We're going to have uh, to do another show based on, like, Popovich. Uh, you, you touched a little bit on the on the, the Olympics. Yeah and, yeah, and and I wanted to touch back into that, but we don't have time to do that. So well, I'm just glad that going. Popovich got a haircut for the Olympics. <laughs> kind of crazy during the NBA season. 
so the Pacers are at 13. Uh, they took Chris uh, uh, Duarte, I think is how you pronounce his last yeah, name. Yeah, he's like 24 years old. Guard out of Oregon. Broadcast. He solid, 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 solid player. He is like a professional now. Um, he's the type of player that you would have seen like, again, instead of like a Kaminga type of player on the Warriors, like Duarte, like someone who can help like immediately be in the rotation. Because if you watched those play-in games uh, against the Lakers and against the Grizzlies for the Warriors, they did not have depth. Granted, they're missing a top five shooter and very good defender in Clay Thompson, right? So well, good like- thing that you mentioned the Warriors because the Warriors come up at 14 and this is where they take Moses Moody which so, is a player that's going to kind of what you were just saying. He's got the shooting a little more, a little bit more well-rounded than Jonathan Kaminga. So uh, apparently the story is that Draymond was texting Bob Myers, the decision maker with the Warriors. Uh, and like two or three picks before it was their pick, he just texted him Kaminga. And then two or three picks before – it was their second pick. He selects uh, Moody. Um, so, or he tells uh, Bob Myers to select Moody. So the fact that Draymond was being listened to by the Warriors probably drives Aaron Rodgers crazy. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's another podcast. I wanted to get to Aaron Rodgers today too, but um, we're going to uh, round it out here. It was the top 15. So the Wizards at 15 take Corey uh Kispert uh forward out of Gonzaga uh played with uh Jalen Suggs he was a solid shooter uh he Look, did an MVP was traded last night and we haven't even mentioned it I often. know I know uh so right. anyways that 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 ends the the the, dur- the draft crypt. yes uh during the just before the draft started we did have a trade with the Lakers where the Lakers always end up trading crackers and get filet mignon in return for some reason, I don't know why, but it always turns out this way. They made a trade with the Wizards. Uh, they sent uh, Caldwell Polk, uh, Kuzma, and who was uh, Montrez Harold? Montrez Harold and and a so first those round are three pick. Players that were rotation players for the Lakers. Um, two of them were on the championship team just from two years ago. Uh, a couple of those guys are using the same agency or LeBron's agency in clutch, right? So, I well, we didn't say who they got in return. They got uh, Westbrook in return. Westbrook. Okay. So, from the Wizards' standpoint, Bradley Beal, he says he wants to stay. Uh, this move provides a little depth, gives the Wizards cap flexibility to actually make some moves, and takes the albatross that is Russell Westbrook's contract off of their books. So in two off seasons, their GM has turned in a forever injured John Wall and his worst contract in the NBA to some cap flexibility and three rotation players. Uh, fairly impressive job um, by him. Uh, when it yeah. comes to the Lakers, adding Russell Westbrook, it only works – if AD is playing the five, if you're putting uh, Andre Drummond out there at the five, AD, 
LeBron, that's clogging all of the areas that Russell Westbrook wants to operate in on the offensive end. Um, you know, but Anthony Davis at the five, uh, LeBron at the four, there's still talks that there might be a sign and trade for Buddy Heald to get a shooter on their team. You know, it's early. We mentioned it a bit ago, no free agency yet. Uh, so it's very early in the process to see what the teams are being. But, you know, Russell Westbrook is a, a name who has put up a lot of stats, hasn't exactly led to a lot of wins in the playoffs, but it has led to a good number of wins during the regular season. Um, but the Lakers aren't playing for wins in the regular season, so we'll see how it goes. And with that note, uh, we hit our hour mark. Um, so uh, there were some more things we wanted to touch bases on. And if you guys want to continue listening to our podcast, Casually Kicking It Sports, we're going to try to make this a weekly podcast. Hopefully next week we'll dive into a little bit more. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be more sports news because sports is a 24-7 kind of biz. Uh, but uh, we want to thank everyone for listening, all the new listeners for, li- for listening. Um, from uh, me, Ed, and Tony. This is Casually Kicking It Sports. Thanks for listening. We're out of here. Peace. Go Magic. It was a good night. Hey.